Um, so did everyone have a good Thanksgiving? Yes? You know what my favorite part of Thanksgiving is? Is when it's over. <laughs> I do love Thanksgiving, I'm, don't get me wrong, I love Thanksgiving, but I love Christmas. I absolutely love Christmas, and I'm not one of those people that starts putting Christmas stuff up bef- until Thanksgiving is over. Now, my sister-in-law, she put it up at Halloween, and they actually featured her on a news channel that was called Creepy Christmas. But I wait. I wait till Thanksgiving is over, and so the day after Thanksgiving, it is on. And so we get everything out. I love putting up the Christmas tree. I love all the lights. I love pulling out all the old ornaments. I love the Christmas music. I love the cheesy... Uh, Christmas movies that come on every year. I'm still into the whole claymation stuff, and so I love watching that. I love the Starbucks drinks that comes out. Can anyone say yes to that? And they only bring them at that time of year, right? I love everything about Christmas. I love the cold weather. I love starting to be able to put on sweaters. Even though we're in California, we can pretend it's Christmas, so we're supposed to put that stuff on. Um, But I love it. But I have to be honest, come January, I'm over it. That's it. I don't want it. Take your stuff down. It's all clutter. It's, it's old. I don't like it. I want it to all go away. I want my Starbucks refresher drinks back. I want shorts. I want tank tops. I want the beach. I want to plan for a summer vacation. I'm over it. It's done. It's over. But for many of us, love is like that. It's like the change of seasons. And I think that in our society, we've kind of lost um, the meaning of the word love. It's kind of here today, gone tomorrow kind of an attitude. And you even see it in like social media, right? I mean, how many of you have Instagram or Facebook and you scroll through a post and how easy it is just to double click that little heart button and then you just scroll on by? Or when you're looking at a Facebook post and how do you decide if you're gonna just like it or if you're gonna love it, right? It's usually based upon a feeling, right? You just have this feeling that comes over you and you're gonna love it, or the I love you so much. Do you really? I love you so much. And so we lose, we've kind of lost the feeling of what this love really means. And in our passage this week, we saw the word kindness. And this word kindness pops up three times in the passage that we studied. And that word is, is hesed in Hebrew. And this word hesed means loving kindness. Its meaning is not about good feelings, and it's not about a love that comes and goes. This meaning is it requires sacrifice, it's planning, and it's not here today, gone tomorrow. It's a I'm in it for the long haul kind of love. So we're going to open up our Bibles to 2 Samuel, and we're going to dive into this passage. We're going to look at the whole entire chapter 9 today. And we're just going to go through it little by little. I'm going to walk you through the whole passage. And we're going to see how God uses this word love and what that means to me and you. And as always, when um, God gives me a passage to teach, I always learn so It's something that I personally have to grow from. And so my prayer for you guys over the last couple of months has just been that God would use this next 30, 35 minutes that we have, that he will open up your eyes to a different kind of love that you need to emulate, the kind of love that God is calling us to give to others, and that it's something that we can all commit to showing to other people. So let's open up our Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 9, and we are going to start in verse 1. It says, and David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? 
So why Saul? Why would David have any desire to show any kind of kindness to anyone in the house of Saul? You have to remember, for those of you that have not ever studied 1 Samuel before, Saul was not very nice to David. In fact, I mean, he was downright cruel. He tried to kill him. David was on the run from Saul for many, many, many years, right? And now here, Saul is no longer living and David is searching out someone to show this kindness, this love to. And it says that he wants to show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. Well, Jonathan was Saul's son. Jonathan and David had a beautiful friendship. They loved each other very much. And they had made a promise back in 1 Samuel that they would take care of one another's descendants. But now Jonathan has now died, but David is on the search to go out and find someone that he can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake. So verse two says, now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? So here we see this word three times. And like I said earlier, it's translated as love. It's not just a feeling, but it's more, um, I wanna come to the rescue of you. It's, um, I wanna come and I wanna love you. I wanna help you. It's not, you make me feel good. It's, I'm gonna be with you through thick and thin. It's a lifelong commitment. It's not something that changes over the holiday season that you get sick of. It's something that says, I'm in this for the long haul. In the Old Testament, this word is used a lot describing God, and it's described as God doing, showing, or keeping this Hesed love. And most of the time, it's for people that don't even deserve it. So David has experienced this love from God. We've seen through First and Second Samuel everything that God has done for David. He's protected him. He um, has rescued him from his life. He has returned the Ark of the Covenant, and now he's seeing victories from his enemies. And so we see David is turning this um, love from God inward, and he's seeing what can I do to show this God's love to someone else. God wants us to show love, love to others as well. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So like David, if we're going to emulate what God wants us to do, number one on your outline is imitate God's love. That's exactly what David did in our passage. The Bible tells us to be imitators of God. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But let's get real. It's easy to say I love you to someone, but it's pretty difficult to show it. I mean, we can see this in our marriages, right? You remember those fluttering feelings that you had when you were first courting each other and, you know, trying to do all these things for one another and to show each other's expression of love. Phil, when we were dating, um, I was working at a car dealership and he would make me lunches and he would bring sandwiches in to me. And if you opened up my sandwich with cheese, he would spell out, I love you, or like do hearts and things. But then you turn the other side and it was all the leftover gross pieces of cheese. But he would do this, and it was just an expression of his love. And he'd write love notes on napkins, and he would have all this tucked away in a little lunchbox for me. And all the girls in the office were like, oh my goodness, it's so sweet. And, but he did things like that. 
But let's be honest, marriage isn't always like lovey cheesy sandwiches, right? <laughs> I mean, it's hard, it's hard work. And we hear that over and over again. But it wasn't easy for Jesus either, right? I mean, a lot of the times we want to think that when he died on the cross for our sins, he came in and it was something that was all about a feeling and he felt like doing it. And it was far from what Jesus felt like doing for us. In Luke 22, we see it was not easy. Think about his ultimate demonstration of love on the cross. While we'd like to imagine that this sacrifice was filled with good feelings, it was far from that. In Luke 22, verse 42, this is what Jesus said. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will be yours, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. There was absolutely nothing easy about Jesus loving me and you. Him demonstrating his love for us by dying on the cross was huge. It took a lot of work. He was intentionally doing something for us, and we need to intentionally do good for others. And it's going to take a great personal cost at times, but that's what God has called us to do. I love to sleep. Sleep is, I'm not a morning person. Don't ask me to get up early and go jogging. It's not something I like to do. But I can tell you when my kids were little and I was nursing them, I got up and I fed them. I didn't like to get up and feed them, but I loved them, so I did it. And when my husband or my kids are sick and they're laying on the bathroom floor and they're vomiting in the toilet, I'm gonna be there right there next to them. I'm gonna be wiping their head. I'm gonna be having a bucket right next to them because I love them. And that's what you do for someone that you love, right? But what's crazy about this passage that we study this week is David is showing this kind of love, this kind of kindness to someone he didn't even know. He was showing it to someone that could have been a risk to him actually. And he was searching someone out that he could demonstrate this kind of love to. Your motivation for loving that difficult neighbor, that boss, that family member, it needs to be more than something that you can give. You need to be loving them for God and loving them through God's eyes. Jesus laid down his life, death, and he's not asking us to lay down our lives for others, but he is asking us to give our lives to others. 1 John 3:16 says, "By this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers." Which is kind of funny because if you read that verse, you'd think, "Well, if God laid down his life for us, we should lay down our life for him." But that's not what he says. He says he laid down his life for us, so we need to lay our life down for others. Verse 17 says, "But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him?" So this is saying that if you have the resources and you see a need and you're not giving out to that person, then you don't have God's love in you. How does God's love abide in you if you're not doing that? And that's scary to think of that, right? Verse 18 says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but indeed in truth. And I love that because it's talking about actions speak louder than words. And you hear that saying a lot. And a lot of the times, you see that someone's hurting and you, and you say, I'll pray for you. Well, that's great. Prayer, don't get me wrong. Prayer is absolutely wonderful, powerful. We all need to be praying for each other. 
but can we get past the words and say, what can I do for you? That's what we need to be doing. We need to turn this into action and actually be doing something for someone. We need to be turning off the TV, we need to get off our phones, and we need to be searching and finding someone that needs this kind of love, and we need to be actively doing something for them in a practical way. And life is busy, and I get it. It's hard, you know, we all have schedules, we have things going on, we have families, we have work, we have ministry, and we have stuff that we have to do, and adding something else to the list is just hard. I sit on gymnastics and booster meetings, and majority of the time you start the season, and they come in with all these needs that you have. And typically, there's all the people are standing there going, where's the checkout box that I can opt out and just write the check? I just wanna write the check and I don't wanna show up anymore, right? And I see a lot of nodding heads because that's what you wanna do. I don't have time. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to invest in anyone else. And it's sad because if you think, what if we all wrote the check and we opted out? We wouldn't be the hands and feet of Christ. Nothing would get done, nothing would happen. And the thing is, it's not a matter of knowing this because you all know it. We all know that this is what we need to be doing, but it's a matter of we need to do it. So we need to be doers of the word. We need to hear this, we need to take this in, and we need to go out and we need to show love to other people. Do you think it was easy for David? It was not. He was seeking to show kindness to someone at the house of Saul that could have been a threat. And the reason why he could have been a threat for him to show kindness to the house of Saul is because if there was any living heirs left of the house of Saul, by right, they could have come back to try to take the throne from David. And after everything that David had been through, do you think he wants to give that up again and have to go through running and hiding and everything he had done? But David didn't care. So who in your life is in need of experiencing the kindness of God? Can you commit to finding someone? David searched someone out. I look across here in the room, you can look at each other. There's, there's one or two of you in here. Either you're the person that's gonna do the seeking or there's someone sitting next to you that is the one that's waiting to be sought out. So I ask you, if there's someone in your heart or your mind that God is bringing to you that you know that you need to show this kind of committed, hesed love to, can you search them out this week? Call them, text them, ask them for lunch, ask them for coffee. Do something with them over the Christmas season, go shopping together. Is there a way that you can stop thinking of yourself and find someone else that you can show God's love to? If you say that you're serious about loving God, then you're serious about loving God's people. In Matthew 22, verse 37, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And in a second, it's just like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But we're selfish, right? We have to love our neighbor as ourselves. but I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I don't have time. But that is not what the commandment says. Love your neighbor as yourself. So David wanted to demonstrate the love that he had. So let's go back to, we're going to pick up where we left off in 2 Samuel 9.3. And let's see how Ziba responded to David. When David came to him, he was searching someone out. Um, let's see how Ziba responded to David when David said this to him. Verse 3, Ziba says to the king, there is, still a son of, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. Notice that Ziba doesn't, Ziba doesn't call him by name. He just calls him a cripple. 
We don't know exactly what happened to him, but we do know that during the time when um, Saul and Jonathan were in battle and they died, at this time, Mephibosheth was a child. He was small. And either his maid or his nanny, whatever it is you want to call him, was picking him up and, and taking him someplace to keep him safe. And in that process, either she dropped him, he tripped and fell, something happened, but he became, not paralyzed, but he was crippled in both of his feet is what it says. And the fact that he's crippled is huge because in that day, if you're crippled and you can't walk, you can't plow a field, you're considered worthless. You can't do anything. So you're nothing to anybody. You're a nobody, you're a loser. And to think about Mephibosheth, that here he was, he had, Jonathan was his dad, um, Saul was the king, so he lived in this palace, he had everything going for him, and now all of a sudden he's a, he's a cripple in both of his feet, he goes from up here to down here, he's lost everything. Imagine what, that, what his life was like, and then he goes into hiding because he doesn't want um, David to find him and possibly kill him off. So that's a lot for Mephibosheth to take in. But I love David's response. He moved right on in and he said, where is he? He didn't ask how badly he was crippled. He didn't stop to talk it over with his people to see if, oh no, there's this crippled guy. Should I come in and do anything? He doesn't do any of that. In verse four, he says, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Emil at Lodabur. Then King David sent him and brought him from the house of Maker, the son of Emil at Lodabur. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and he fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will, restore you to, I will restore you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. Can you imagine what was going through Mephibosheth's mind at that point? David the king is standing before him. He has no idea what's about to happen. His life has been absolutely miserable, living away from everyone. And now he's got the king standing before him, telling him, I'm going to restore all the land to you. You're going to eat at my table always. Verse eight says, and he paid homage and said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? You see, Mephibosheth knew that this was an unfair relationship. He understood that this, he had absolutely nothing to give to David. He called himself a dead dog. Well, to call yourself a dog in that day meant you felt like you were low, you were low class. But to call yourself a dead dog, you were doubly low. So he understood that this was, you know, what is in this? There's nothing in this for you. What can I possibly bring to the table? David is loving God's way. There's nothing in this for David. In fact, like I said, there's a lot of risk involved for him doing this, but he did it anyways. And I'm sure the staff thought David was absolutely crazy. But David didn't do this because he thought Mephibosheth could bring anything to him. But not only should we imitate God's love, but we need to do so without expecting anything in return. So that's number two on our outline is expect nothing in return. One of my husband's favorite sayings has always been, you make me happy and I'll make you happy. He says that to the kids all the time. But after studying this passage, I told him, I'm like, Phil, you can't say that anymore because that is not biblical. (laughs) It has absolutely nothing to do with like this even swap thing. Is anyone in here Survivor fans? Oh, yay, there's more in here. Okay, so 
the first, yesterday morning, no one watched Survivor. Last night, there was maybe two hands, so there's a little bit more in here. We're, we've been Survivor fans from the beginning, so for those of you that don't watch the show, let me explain to you what it's about. Basically, there's a group of people that they bring in on a boat and they drop them off on this island, right? And the goal of the game is to be the last person standing. So it starts off where there are two different teams, let's say, right? And you form what they call alliances, but they're actually like friendships within the group. And if your team loses, then you have to vote off one of the members of your tribe. So you don't want to lose. Eventually, they merge these two um, teams together. And it's all about like forming friendships and who's going to take you farther in the game. And a lot of times you see people like swapping all around. Well, last week we were watching the game and this is what one of the girls said. She switched her alliance, her little group that she had been with from day one. And she said, it's a get and give relationship. You get what you give. And if you don't have anything to offer me, then I'm moving on. I was like, okay, well, I mean, a million dollars is at stake, right? But that's horrible, but that's how our world works. Aren't you thankful that that is not how God's grace works? Grace is God giving himself to someone who does not deserve it, and it can never earn it and will never be able to pay it back. Grace is one-sided. Grace doesn't look for things that have been done that deserve love. That's the way God loved us. When we were sinners, we had absolutely nothing to give him, but he loved us anyways. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's what makes this story absolutely amazing is because we have um, David showing this amazing love to someone that doesn't deserve it, that can't do anything to pay it back. David was king. He didn't have to do any of this. I mean, he, he stooped down to a level to show someone love that did not deserve it. And you think that's exactly what Christ did for us. Turn with me to Philippians 2. Jesus gave up everything. Jesus was God and he became absolutely nothing. He became a servant for me and you so that he could save us from our sins. Philippians 2 verse 2 says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition, meaning what's in it for me, or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Can we wrap our heads around that for a moment? Jesus became nothing to be everything for me and you. He didn't focus on his rights and what was due him by being God, but he made himself a servant for us, expecting nothing in return. So who is your Mephibosheth? If you're going to emulate God's love, then we need to be laying down our lives for one another. Can we look for the needs of others without the attitude of what's in it for me? And it's so timely at Christmas, right? 
you know, it's the time of year that we give gifts and we get our Christmas cards out. And, you know, how many of you are wiping people off your Christmas list because you didn't get anything from them last year? Or your Christmas cards. Do you keep account of who gets you a card and so you send them something in return only if you get something from them? Can we not wipe people off of our list just because we didn't receive something from them? This Christmas season, um, it's changed in our house. I mean, as the kids were little and we would get the newspapers in the mail, you'd get the Toys R Us catalogs and they were all about circling everything that they wanted and cutting things out and you'd find it like taped to your mirror in your bathroom or, you know, and I did the same thing. It was all about what I wanted for Christmas. You know, I remember I wanted a Chih Tzu puppy so bad and I found them all in the classified ads and I'd stick them in my dad's briefcase and I'd put them on the refrigerator and, you know, every chance I got, I could plug, this is what Stacy wants. And I hate to admit, but when I was a kid, come Christmas morning, I was the kid that counted all the gifts to make sure they were all equal. My brothers needed to get the same amount that I did. That's horrible, right? It's awful, but that's who we were, selfish little kids. But we grow up. And I see, like, my son. My son now has a job. He's an in-and-out employee, for those of you that want to see him on La Paz. But he's got a job, and I can tell you his appreciation now for this Christmas season has brought so much joy to my life because now he, he's earning his own paycheck. And you know it's different when you have your own money, right? When mom and dad give you $20 and they say, go spend some money, it's different. But when you've earned it and you've worked for it, this Christmas season, he hasn't told me one thing he wants. All he's been doing is see- searching out people that he wants to give gifts to. And what melts my heart is there are some people on his list that have no resources to give back to him. He's finally learning what Jesus said. It's better to give than it is to receive. As we grow up in our sanctification and become more like Christ, that needs to be our attitude. We have a desire to give our lives to others. It's not, what can you do for me, but what can I do for you? Luke 6.32 says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is the king to the ungrateful and the evil. God exalted Jesus for what he did, and he will bless us, ladies, if we give without the expectation of what we're going to get back. Can you imagine what this church would look like? if we were all about just giving our lives to other people. So David gives his instructions to Ziba on what's going to happen. So we're going to go back to our passage, 2 Samuel, drop down to verse 9. And it says, then the king called Ziba. I love this because I'm wondering, okay, here's Ziba, right? He's a servant of Saul. Saul's gone. And in our passage, we see that it sounds like he had quite a bit of stuff in this part of the passage that um, he had from Saul. And David's about to make everything right. Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, all that's belonged to Saul and to all his house, I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce. 
that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. That's a lot of people to take care of Mephibosheth, right? Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servants, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at the king's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both of his feet. Why would the author add that again right at the very end of everything that we just studied? It's because he wants us to know that he was a dud, right? He had nothing to give. He had nothing to bring to the table. But David loved him anyways. David loved him through the lens of God's eyes. David did not just write an encouraging letter. He didn't just send a gift to his home. He gave his heart to Mephibosheth. He shared his palace with him. He gave up his own resources. He gave his life to him. He brought him into his home and he set him up for business. And he made him one of his family forever. David invites him to eat at his table, not just one time, not just a one-time meal, why don't you come over, but for a lifetime. He wasn't just checking the box and saying, okay, I've done a good deed today and moving on. He was saying, I'm in it with you till the end. I'm in it with you for the long haul. So like David, we need to be motivated to keep going to the end. That's our last point. Keep going to the end. And thank goodness God's love, this Hesed love, never, ever ends for me and you. Lamentations 3.22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. His love can be counted on day after day after day after day. God doesn't say, you know, I don't feel like loving you today. I'm kind of moody. I don't feel like loving you today because I'm busy. He does it every day. Every morning you can wake up and you can count on God's love, no matter what's going on. Isaiah 54.10 says, For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. David's act of kindness was long-term. It was intentional. He was committed to going the distance with Mephibosheth. It wasn't just some random act of kindness. And we hear about this random act of kindness that people do for one another, which I think is great. I love the idea of random act of kindnesses, but it's usually a one-time act, right? Have any of you ever been in the drive-through before somewhere and you're like, you know what, I feel good today. I'm gonna buy you know, someone a meal that's behind me. But I bet you check first to make sure it's not a big van and it's not filled with about 15 or 20 people, right? It's like, oh, okay, it's a small car. There's one lady, I'll, I'll go ahead and buy, you know, buy her Chick-fil-A meal. We have a friend that's a school teacher and she started this random act of kindness project and she did it with her class and it was a one month project. And these students loved it so much that they gave themselves a name. They call themselves Sactivists now, which stands for Student Act of Kindness. And after the month was over, they decided that they wanted to keep doing it. And so now it's something that not only her class is doing, but now other classes are doing it. Now there's other schools that are participating in it and they put it online and they share with each other all these stories of all these random acts of kindnesses that they do. And that's great. And this is a fifth grade class that's doing this. But these are some of the things that they did. They bought drinks for strangers at Starbucks. They left kind notes on the desk of random students. 
They taped candy and microwave popcorn to red box kiosks. That'd be fun to walk up to. Handed out water to joggers at a nearby lake. They sent thank you letters to troops. And they gave balloons to kids in the park. Well, these are all great things to do, and I think it's wonderful that they did it, but this isn't what David did. This wasn't a one-time act. It was a series of acts that he did. He was committing to love him again and again and again and again. So who's that person in your life that you need to continually love, no matter how hard it is, but God is calling you to love them till the end? Maybe it's your husband. Maybe you said, till death do us part, but you don't feel like loving him anymore. Can you love him through God's eyes, despite how difficult it is? Maybe it's a friend that's hard to love, or a sister that's hard to love, or a boss. Stop waiting for them to make the move to you. Can you commit and reach out to them to show them God's love? If we're going to love the Hesed way that David did, we need to prayerfully ask God who it is that he's calling us to love. And if you don't know who it is, then I ask that you pray that God brings someone to you that you can show this love. So what does Hesed look like to me and you? Hesed is the mother or a friend who drives their daughter or friend to chemo or doctor visits for her illness every week for months or years. Hesed is the ladies who come faithfully each week here to Kids Club to watch your kids. Hesed is your accountability partner that reaches out to you and sends you texts, that goes to lunch with you, that loves you, that listens to you year after year after year. Hesed is loving your husband even when the cheesy sandwiches are gone and the thrill of romance isn't there anymore and you find out what his favorite meal is and you make it for him or what it is he loves to do and you do it or you give yourself to him sexually even when you don't feel like it. Till death do you part. Hesed are the people that show up here faithfully for fix-it ministry. You know, we have a group of people that come here to work around the church. They don't get paid. They go and they find people that are moving that have to pack up houses full of stuff and move them places. And they show up faithfully week after week for years. Hesed is taking someone into your home and caring for them in a time of need, no matter the inconvenience that it may cause. Hesed is caring for your husband or a friend with Alzheimer's that doesn't even know who you are and listening to that story one more time. Hesed is showing someone love even when they don't know how to love you back. And Hesed is sharing the gospel with anyone and everyone, no matter the time, any and every chance you get. This is what makes us different from the rest of the world. It's not random acts of kindnesses, but it's intentional acts of kindnesses that are gonna go the long haul. John 13, 34 says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Can you imagine what that would look like? How many lives would be changed? There's so many Mephibosheths out there just waiting for the call, waiting for the knock on the door, and maybe you are that one person that they're waiting for. I read a story about um, Thomas Jefferson. He and um, a group were riding on their horses and they came to this big riverbed. And it was a swollen river, and next to the riverbed was this man that was standing there. 
and he waited as several of the people crossed the riverbed. But then he hailed to President Jefferson and he asked him if he would carry him across. So President Jefferson picked him up, put him on the back of his horse and he carried him across. And then one of the men asked, why did you pick the president of all people to carry you across? And the man said, well, I didn't, that's the president. I didn't know that that was the president. He said, well, then why is it that you called him out? He said, well, because he had a yes face. You see, a lot of you went across that river and I saw the answer no, but he had a yes face. So I ask you, what does your face look like? You know, there's a lot of people that say, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? Are you a yes face or are you a no face? Jesus said yes to each and every one of us. So I think it's time that we say yes back. So I just pray that each one of you, I don't know what's going on in your lives, how difficult it is to show love to someone, but I just pray that through this study that you guys can all see yourself in David and find someone to love. If you're a Mephibosheth, then I pray that someone will seek and find you out. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, um, your word is just amazing. It's amazing how you can always find a way to reach out to each one of us and show us what it is that you want us to do, God. And the story of David and Mephibosheth, it just hits home. And um, I just pray that we can be women of love, women that can love through the lens of you and love for you and like you, God. And I just pray for changed hearts in each of the ladies' um, lives, that they can go out and em emulate what it is that you have done for us, God. God, I pray for our groups today that we can go, that we can be real with one another, that we can open up, that we can brainstorm with ideas of things that we can do to make a difference in the lives of others and that God, you alone will be glorified in the end and that others will see Christ through us in this process, God. Thank you so much for sending your son for us. And we pray all these things in your perfect holy name. Amen. You guys are dismissed.